So good morning, my friends. I hope you're all doing well. First cup of coffee I've had in eight days. I have a tremendous amount of willpower. So today's uh, Dharma delivery service is uh, titled Awareness Hoarding Conclusions. Yes. So there's a lot of things that are uh, the awareness. If, if you notice when you sit down and just observe that there's a lot of awareness about what is moving and coming and going and so on. And uh, that quite often the commentary from the self-centered mind on that is this is confusing or there's too much or my mind is spinning, you know, all me, me, me and what's happening to me. Aren't we important, though? So what is interesting about this is uh, that anytime you have a conclusion, which is just another another form of grasping and in, in, in its extreme is actual greed for something else. Anytime you conclude anything, you actually interrupt based on your hope and fear uh, and desire uh, for something else. You actually shut down on your Buddha nature. Buddha nature is not something you you create. Uh, in a sense, it isn't even something you discover because it isn't something else. It isn't some other thing. It, it is your fundamental nature. And it's an astonishing uh, discovery un- and uncovering. And it is also flat out ordinary. It's as ho-hum as they come. No rhyme intended. So, uh, uh, la vidite, la vidite encombre, encombre la conscience. This is what I was taught to say by my, our friend in uh, Brittany. This is in French. La vidite encombre la conscience. Is that correct, Mayun? That means okay in French. <laughs> so, and so there's all kinds of ways of talking about this. I, I was going to call it uh, uh, the talk, and that's why I couldn't remember what it was. Um, what was I going to call it? it? It's just the idea that anytime you, anytime you move away from just just the raw quality of receiving whatever is coming towards you, whether it's coming out of your own Alevijanana, uh, even out of your seventh consciousness, it doesn't matter. Anything moving is, uh, uh, to use the, the hunter's uh, metaphor, fair game. It's fair game. So just receive. Don't shoot, but just receive. Oh, I know what it was. It was a. Uh, uh, Awareness hoarding, in other words, uh, something that takes away or gathers. Because if you think, stop, stop, think about it. Literally, if you if you're thinking, then that the awareness uh, dynamic of the conscious, the open dimension of the consciousness, which is without a reference point, gets sucked down into like a black hole into a vortex. And so, for some people, their whole lifetime is living in a black hole and with intense greed, which is another form of fear. Fear of not having, uh, uh, Ripa used to call it a poverty mentality. I don't have enough. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I won't. This is not going to. Just this is a, a odd form of uh, of narcissism, uh, feeling a lot of negativity. E- even uh, even uh, the ones that we commonly think of as uh, as that we need to get rid of, or we need to solve, or we need to uh, like, for instance, depression. Self-centeredness. You wouldn't necessarily go as some kind of accusation about that. It's just a description of how that works. A, a strong uh, implosion of the of the the self, me and me and my dense feelings. I just don't feel good. It just everything seems so. It's it's the self-centeredness that's doing that. Things are always changing. Nothing lasts. When that shows up, uh, just the attitude, as Byron Katie would even say, whatever shows up. You don't care if it lasts forever. There isn't anyone. There is no time. Time is an invention. There is no time. Fundamentally, relatively, of course. You got clocks everywhere. I have a clock. Don't you guys have clocks? We use them. We put them to use to help us divide things up. Like uh, the other day I was asking, uh, I sent a recording to, um, to Ondo because I was out walking when I used to go out and walk around the the circle drive out here, uh, uh, I was listening to all these different birds and 
I sent her a recording and she, I said, I guess I said, what bird is that? And she, instead of just telling the main bird that was in there, it was a lot of other birds. She gave me a list of all the birds that were in there. So I got quite an education. And she said they were uh, dividing up the morning. So kind of an interesting um, image there, that the birds were dividing up the morning. So what do we do with this idea, this, uh, <clears throat> this kind of uh, greed or hoarding about uh, anything, trying to get anything, anything else, something else, more of this, less of that, less, less of that. I don't want, I don't want any more negative feelings. And I would say, just make friends with that. Make friends. The whole world is suffering everywhere. Life is suffering. The, the, this is not nihilism. This is someone who calls that nihilism is someone who's operating with a very low level of understanding based on up and down, back and forth, right and wrong. And even if they're wearing a, a mitre, or even if they're wearing uh, mouse ears, even if they're if they have all kinds of authority, whatever that may be, authority. That's very, very relative dynamic and especially difficult. It is it is especially difficult for someone who was born with a really powerful and highly intelligent way of looking and sorting and classifying and organizing. And uh, they see a problem, instant algorithms show up all, all the different stages of that, how to do it, how it's done, the different uh, ways that it can be done. Uh, the, you know what this looks like to me? Confusion. Highly ordered confusion, which looks like to the ego security and looks like I got a plan. Here's the result. I'll tell you what a plan is. It's something that doesn't work. And relatively, it may work, but nothing lasts. So therefore, you can't depend on it. <clears throat> Somebody else will come along with a better plan, a better algorithm. Now, what do we do? What, what what can we do about that? It seems necessary to, it seems necessary, the way I my understanding is uh, to just, as much as we can, keep it as, as uh, primitive or as uh, radical, coming from the, the root words radix or root. And actually, it's it's not even a root. It's but you have to go that direction because that gives you some kind of directionality. So then, when you see it, then you start to have some relative confidence about I, I can do this. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to look at this. Uh, I'm starting to use an expletive here, but I'm not going to. But just I'm going to look at this mind. I'm going to look at whoever this is, whoever you are that gives you a, a headache, whoever it is that that adds on to things that are fundamentally clear. But whether it's conf and this is interesting. Listen to this. Your the clarity about confusion to to the to the confused or the mind that's in a cage looks like confusion. But clarity about confusion to your to Buddha nature is uh, is, uh, is this is the Tathagata, the womb of the Tathagata. They use the fancy word. One who comes thusly. There's no past. He, she, they don't come out of a past. They're not going towards our future. They just, we have to say it relatively. So we say, ta-ta-ta, or the, just this, just this, thus, thus. And, and, and the, the birds can't break up the morning. Every bird is the morning. I'm not trying to be poetic. I'm just saying every, every sound you say is it. Every word, every thought, every is not separate from anything else. If you see that, this is your entrance. This is the, the, the Dharma door with a wide gate. You, you have to be persistent. You have to be transcendentally stubborn to do this. That's why I often say, I don't want followers. I want you to listen to what I'm saying and, and look within. Look within. There isn't anything out here. On the other hand, take an hour a day and study with other people who are also looking within. It's called Sangha community it's a it's a spiritual community so nobody corrects anybody don't correct anybody only respond to a request for uh, help and do that very very tentatively if you think somebody else is wrong or lacking buddha nature <laughs> or is more confused than you are or is more enlightened than you are if you think anything about anything like that, it is It is circular. It's just, it might give you some respite for a few moments, a few days, a few weeks, 
so that you don't have to look at your own negativity. It's so much easier. I, I know you've noticed to look at others and notice how confused they are, <laughs> especially people who don't practice. Sometimes their confusion, though, is because they're so good at not practicing, not looking at their mind, but building up uh, scaffolding we call what? Conclusions. They, they live in the conclusion. So therefore, they have a relative security. So therefore, the, the, the person who doesn't practice might look and seem, and even they even think that they're happier than you are and wondering why, if you're a meditator, why you're so damn miserable, why you're unhappy. I thought you meditated. Aren't you supposed to feel better, feel more peaceful? They don't know that you're going down into the mine, into the mine shaft to find the prison of uh, the cage of your conclu conclusions so you can, you can dissolve it through your awareness. You can see that nothing is separate. So if that actually falls apart, that is not easy to do. It's just difficult and it's challenging for different people in different ways. I think the, the formula, the, the algorithm of a Buddha Dharma Sangha is powerful because it is so simple and it is so, it completely includes everything. It includes the teaching person. It includes what is being taught and it includes the community. Powerful. And that will show up for each person uh, in different ways. And this is why it's, uh, I teach in the way I do. I want to teach very, very directly to each person. You know, as I said before, I mean, if a thousand people came along and wanted to study, I would put all you guys to work. But right now, a few dozen people. And I, it's good. That way we can, I can work more specifically, directly, and intimately with each person, and you know, with your permission. So that, that's such a difficult, difficult area because the closer you get, as it says in the, as Trungpa Rinpoche said, uh, you get too close to the teacher, you get burnt. You don't get close enough, you don't get enough heat. It's a very highly relative context that we're studying in. Meditation, post-meditation, teacher, student, Buddha's sentient beings, life and death, up and down, back and forth. We have to look at this situation and see that each Polarity gets its substance, its meaning, its direction, its energy from the opposite or the other. La vérité encombre la conscience. This morning I kept leaving out the law, but I had help, so. <laughs> la vérité encombre la conscience. And it's interesting as uh, we've been talking uh, how French doesn't have a really good word for awareness. So uh, we use a conscience. So it, it's, it's, language is fascinating. The way that, the way it, the way it seems like a solid word that means something. Well, there, wouldn't there be another word that would say that? Not exactly. Thinking process shows up so many different ways. It's, it's like a, an incredible rainbow. I can always take questions at any time if you'd like. <clears throat> How are you using the metaphor of algorithm? Can you explain that? Yeah. Uh, a recipe for brownies. Algorithm. You have a problem. You need to take this material and this material and put it together in such a way so I get a certain result. And there's lots of different stages. I'm not a, I'm not a computer programmer. I'm not interested. I'm, that kind of blows me away that people are able to do that. And several people here actually do that. So, but it's just a, it's just a, it's a recipe for how to work with something. But that particular thing is like a conclusion or like a plan. And, plan, you know, plans relatively work, but fundamentally they don't work. And algorithms, the, the, the great thing about an algorithm or a plan or a structure or a, uh, you have a problem, you need to do this. So, uh, and, you know, someone like uh, Juzan and other people here probably are what, uh, Unyo's uh, son, uh, who's a programmer, calls pounding code. So sitting down and taking these little bits of information or items and putting them together in such a way that when the system uh, comes in to look at that, it is it modifies the system to function and come up with a particular kind of what solution. Uh, in this situation, spiritual path, we're not interested in a solution. If you haven't guessed already. 
Of course, the enlightenment, we're talking about that. But the more you get into this, you find out that the very enlightenment that is at the end of the path actually is the path. It is called not two. It's not even three, which would help. Unless you're talking about the algorithm, which is the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And, and then it breaks down into depending on the society, depending on the culture, depending on the disposition that shows up within a particular culture in China in the 18th century or in the third century, then different kinds of structures and alg algorithms apply, just like they did 2,500 years ago. It's astonishing that if we read the Sutta Napata or if we read uh, um, Majima Nikaya the, or any of the other uh, early teachings of the Buddha, it's just amazing that that, that spiritual genius was able to, well, pound code into these monks. Do this, do this. No, don't do that. Do this. Don't wash your bowl in the stream based on somebody washing their bowl in the stream and losing it. And they said, so he breaks down another, don't wash your bowl in the stream, another another precept. I think it was a 250 for monks and 300 for women or nuns crazy but it's the culture that causes the structure so that someone to come in to, to create a formula for actually fundamentally helping people or recipe uh, is going to be different so it takes a great deal of insight and and that insight can't be clouded by any considerations of personhood if it is then that gets projected into it and then we start to solve the problem that's actually here we think it's out there and then that gets all wound up like a knot of uh, rubber bands. Try to unwind that. You, you can't unwind it. It unwinds itself. Uh, the, the snake of, uh, of uh, uh, passion, aggression, and ignorance unwinds itself in midair with no one touching it. All you have to do is see it. It cannot withstand the force of prajna. It can't continue to be enveloped in the greed of a personal self. Little tiny bitty greed. I just want I just want one of those. Is that okay? Don't even check in and get your hand chopped off. Don't steal. I'm not talking about other people's things. I'm saying don't take anything. Just receive. Don't even take the precepts, as Coben reminded me uh, when I asked him for to be my teacher. You don't take anything. Just receive. Everything is freely given. If you, if you stop reaching or grabbing or wanting, um, la vidite en, com, en combre la conscience. It's, it's hard to remember how to say that. So, how'd I do? How would you say that in, uh, in, uh, in Chisho? How would you say um, uh, that same, the, the, talk, the talk title in in the, the language that you were raised with. I know there's several of them there. Could you say one? Could you say that? <laughs> I can't even think about it. <laughs> okay. Very, very good, very good. And see that? And so isn't that interesting that there's something that we could just say and everybody would understand, take it into another language and all of the things that uh, come into that, it's like... Uh, it's, if you went back to computers, which I know nothing about, but if you went back into the kinds of, uh, of uh, algorithms that are necessary there, you'd have to be really, really good at changing from one area to another and understanding uh, the way in which each one was supported. And each one's just like the Romance languages, uh, say, opposed to the languages that are more, uh, uh, I don't know, tighter. I don't know what, there are different words for that and not to be judgmental about anything, but you know, are more, have, have more uh, sharp edges to them. <laughs> Less flowing quality. I mean, just as difficult to pronounce. Well, Kozan, did you have further questions? Was that too long an answer for such a sort of question? In my mind, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember the answer. I remember the answer word for word. <laughs> no. So you're asking about about uh, well, I don't know what you're asking about. Um, 
the use of algorithms as a algorithms. Oh. Yeah, algorithms. Well, is it, yeah, go is, ahead. Is it necessary to pound code, so to speak? Uh, yeah. Um, yes, go ahead. Go ahead. That's it. Yes, situationally. Situationally, some if a certain situation arises, that's the only way you can approach that is through some kind of a plan, especially, or some kind of a structure that allows you to go into it. And this is why I say to people, um, if if it even comes up, why it's so necessary. It's, it's very difficult to come into a monastery or into a zendo and run into, especially when you've been raised in uh, Roman Catholicism, to walk into this place and say, what is this about? Why, what are they bowing down to the that guy for and it's it's just uh it it comes out of fear fear of forms that have been used misused down through the centuries to what control people not liberate them that's that's one of the that's a problem with zen or as it is with anything is is the, the, the wish to keep it together and make sure that you know uh, we're even doing it here i'm doing it i want to keep this particular way of teaching the dharma together and so therefore at some point we will have a uh, we'll separate ourselves somewhat from the Soto Zen order, uh, not leave it, but create a uh, create a separate order called the Order of Immediate Light, which will which will help us uh, give us some kind of a form to protect the way in which we study these book studies that we have every day. You can't find a place that does this that I that I know of anyway that studies in this way and emphasizes the Sangha and the study part of it the way it's done here. Uh, where there's not some control, but not a lot. Shokabang. Yes. He recently in that area talked about Corbin and how he was trained in Japan and how he came over to the United States. Yes. And looking at forms and teachings within Buddhism, how can we see what is used for control and what is... Uh, yes. Use yes. That's why you have a teacher. I've studied that, study with a Tibetan teacher. I've been doing this a long time. Uh, so I, I'm not I, I don't know if he knew exactly what to do, but he could see the he could see the problem. And one of the things he stopped doing is sending his uh, his students and monks to train at uh, Tasahara or someplace that was very, very tight and trying to duplicate Japan. He said that's that's not necessary. So he, because my son and his wife at the time, Kathy, said, "Should we go and train for a few months at Tassahara?" No, 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 you don't do that. And I don't know how he said it. He didn't say it with that kind of expression. But just no. Uh, he instead he sent him to uh, uh, to uh, back to Japan to study with his brother in a in a temple in Kamo. So he learned all the forms from his brother. He didn't learn it in a monastery. And I'm just using that as, a, as an example. I don't know. I never talked to him about it. But I paid attention. And uh, whereas Trungpa uh, Rinpoche comes here and actually sets up a whole different form, Shambhala. He actually creates a lineage of Shambhala and uses uh, roots in ancient Tibet, uh, the kingdom of Shambhala and so on to support that, which there are teachings that go back. Shambhala, uh, Tibetan Buddhism is just full of uh, teachings. Like my friend Steve Tibbetts uh, used to say, the Tibetans uh, way up in those mountains in the middle of those long winters didn't have anything to do but take out their minds and play with them. <laughs> so, so therefore you have all kinds of uh, esoteric, complicated, long drawn out. I mean, what are you going to do all winter? Well, I think I'll do millions of mantras. <laughs> and I'm going to count them. And I'm going to visualize all kinds of things based on what my teacher tells me. So I don't think I don't think you can, and that's why I would say uh, recently Juzan asked me about kind of experimenting with forms, and I'm basically saying not that a little bit of that couldn't happen, but it basically needs to be observe the form and follow it as closely closely as you can. Follow. Nobody's going to come and correct you unless it's the or maybe the the Eno, Eno might or the, the Shuso might or I might, it's unlikely unless it's re, unless the form is really deviating a lot because it's about observing forms. It's not about making sure everybody's uh, uh, in step. I remember uh, I learned some pretty good lessons in the, in the military and the Marine Corps 
I know I got out of step. I, I had difficulty marching because I'm never in step with anything. And so when I would get out of step, uh, my rhythm sense is not so good. There's a guy behind me. His name is uh, uh, a black guy by the name of Private Pool. Private Pool. I remember Private Pool's, Private Pool's uh, foot very well because anytime I would get out of step, uh, the drill instructor would say, Private Pool, sir, yes, sir. Kick Brown in the ass. He's out of step. And he would... And he would not use the side of his foot. <laughs> use the point of his toe. It hurt. And so, so that that was the way. Of, <laughs> one of the ways of working with the forms uh, in the military, in the Marine Corps. Uniform Code of Military Justice is a really strict uh, algorithm for controlling people, uh, whole groups of people, and using esprit de corps to control them. The the spirit of a of a unit. You know, five men in a fire team going out setting up a hasty defense against the enemy, you know, and, you know, there's a, there's three riflemen, a barman, an assistant barman, and then one of them is a fire team leader. See how I remember those forms? I did those, and those were difficult. I didn't see any combat, but I, I learned how to do it, and I was ready to kill people. So I was exposed to that. So some of what we do here today comes out of that kind of understanding about, uh, and the, uh, that kind of understanding is, that doesn't work so well. I don't want to control people. I want to help them liberate themselves. I want you to see who you are and see who you are not and who are, who are you not. I can tell you that you're not separate. But if you think that means you're all one, that's an even more highly polished, refined misunderstanding called uh, delusion. Shadow bowing. Certainly. If, if we're relatively being controlled or we're even relating to the forms out of control on our own, is that preventing us from using it as an awareness practice? Uh, give me an example, a little, little bit stronger example. Are you talking about you in the monastery as someone sewing a robe to be a monk, that person? Or are you talking about some, some hypothetical person? Sort of I'm thinking about myself and when I might even look at like a diet form and really, really lock down on that. And then just wondering if, uh, if going into a form like that, where it's about, um, controlling a situation for myself, if that actually keeps it from being an awareness practice. No, no. So you, you have your forms, you're living in a monastery, so you have, you've actually signed a paper where you agree to practice in a certain way. If you can, uh, it's situational. So some people, uh, sitting practice is more uh, accessible for them. Some people uh, studying is more accessible. People are all coming from different directions. So I, even though I, I can see where maybe someone's diet is giving them trouble, um, not such a good idea for, for me to come ahead step into that or for me to to use that i so uh, you know to correct you or say you shouldn't do this or you should do this unless you come to me and ask me about it which we've already talked about that whole diet situation a little bit and so i think it's just a matter of setting up some kind of a form and then then it's not only about complying with the form it's watching the way you pull away from it so if it's just about orders and obeying then you know we're right back to the you know uh right back to the uniform code of military justice again. You don't want to do that. So there may be times when that's necessary to have really strong rules. Like I'm sure you can't, can't deviate at all when it comes to something like a, a computer program, because it, then it just doesn't get the result, but that's a very, very definite thing you're trying to control there. And of course the extension of that is, is uh, the, uh, um, what, what is it called in uh, artificial intelligence? Uh, no such thing, but they use the word because they want to make sure you don't know what it is, but it's about control. It's not just about, well, we have some artificial intelligence over here. Which kind do you want? You know, well, you know, there's the beginning of it. That's why I say, keep your distance. You know, it's called uh, artificial intelligence distancing. Keep your distance from that. If you keep your distance from it, this is awareness. So that, that applies there. You don't have to throw it out the window because then and it really will turn into a fish and swim right up your 
sewage pipe. So don't don't get rid of it. You know, as they say, what is the saying? Keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer. <laughs> but don't put it over your heart. That doesn't work. So that whole thing is developing. That's why I encourage people don't use a don't use a, a cell phone to you know if you want to use it at the time. I guess that's okay. But I think. Uh, uh, an analog watch is the very best thing to time with because it's still an actual movement through imaginary space, whereas uh, numbers are are abstract, extremely abstract, just numbers on a digital clock. If it says 12, you don't have any idea what that is unless you look for the little dot that tells you whether it's a.m. or p.m. So it's a, it's a difficult. So in your situation, go ahead, please. Go ahead, Hakaran. Hakaran bowing. Uh, Chogyam talks, Chogyam Trumpa talks about uh, precision. Could you speak a little bit about precision in our practice? Yes, precision is seeing the spaces, the discrepancies, the pitfalls, and seeing all the imprecise things that our mind does. That's precision. Precision is not a state of mind. It's not an accomplishment. Uh, it is a way of working with the, the nature of the mind, which is unless you understand it in this way, you'll continue to attach to a result called precision rather than the understanding that is precision. You can't actually be precise. That's precision. More if you have it. Good question. It's a good question. Um, when I notice... So even if that precision is fleeting, it is still genuine? Hakaran Bowen. Yes. Because you see, look what you just said. You see that the, you're very clear about something, and then it goes away. That's awareness. Awareness doesn't do anything but see what is happening. So it doesn't, it doesn't control it. Uh, and at the same time, the magic of it, the complete magic of this whole thing, is you're actually looking at yourself. If there is an identity... Uh, there's only one, and even that's extra. That's actually a lie. There isn't one. But the, the magic of it is you actually notice. You actually notice that it's strong, it's sharp, it's clear, that it's, it, it stands out from the background. And then because of dependent origination and because of uh, the three marks of existence, impermanence and uh, no self, it, it collapses into something else and it collapses into something else. But that which is observing that is uh, completely precise about the imprecision. So the precision is, uh, uh, well, I usually don't point to this particular guy, but it's the precisionator. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Zip. No, there isn't anyone. Precision is its own. Precision is precision. There's no one who is precise. <laughs> It's without a self, and it's uh, it is in distress, suffering. Further questions, Susan? Kevin? Yeah, he's the precisionator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the cats are, uh, cats are very precise. Yes, go ahead. Uh, what is the difference between taking no position? and neutrality or being neutral yeah neutrality is a position and uh taking no position is a uh, is no position it's not neutral it's not for or against or it's it's actually dealing directly with passion aggression and ignorance and it's not something you can do you can do neutrality I and mean, you can do say you know you guys uh, i can see your point i can see both your points uh, uh um no position doesn't can't see any points. If it's seeing points, then it's then it's uh, artificial neutrality or artificial uh, artificial. So uh, this is why it actually it, it actually swipes the uh, the nutrition that the ego craves, which is any kind of position. I'll even take neutrality. Just don't leave me alone in empty space. That's scary. And but <clears throat> no reference point is uh, is lonely. And it can be scary, and I highly recommend it. And what, what I'm saying is I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to be alone or feel lonely. 
but I would say it's going to have to be done uh, on some level, depending on how loneliness or or uh, a kind of uh, maybe sometimes failure or sometimes just not being able to feel safe uh, shows up for you. It seems to be necessary to um, to just receive that. More about that, Kevin, or anything for that matter. Uh, not, not at the moment. Thank you. Coffee. Leah Chisho, Chisho, go ahead. Chisho, go ahead. I'll get you next. So, um, could you talk to ignorance as one of the three poisons? To me, uh, I cannot, you know, if things are impermanent, that very fact of being impermanent is also ignorance, is the way I feel about it. Because the mind is constantly going from one to another, shutting down on the other, and then moving on to something else. So to me, it feels like, I don't know how I work with the ignorance, because it seems innate or it's close to, uh, like I said, impermanence. Uh, how do I work with it? Stop. Uh, during sitting back. Stop, stop, stop working with it. Just work, just work with what moves. Whatever's moving, you know, watch that. Ignorance uh, may do some kind of moving in some way to move, to start to shut something down. But if it's doing that, there's probably some kind of grasping or there's some kind of, uh, depending on the level of it. It could be, uh, uh, it could be. So like the it, it shows up as passion because it's in motion so it's after something grasping and but it's it's a it just before the grasping closes down it's still passion and then when it's got it it's fixation and then it's ignorance so there's no motion there so you can't see it just to trying to do this visually you can't see it you don't know like people i'm sure you've met people maybe you're one of them uh who who is closed down in some way and nothing happens there because they it's an opinion they know what they think. They never look at it. All the inspection, uh, all the doors are closed, all the windows are shuttered, and we're never going to look there anymore because we know that um, uh, this particular situation is this particular way, so it's no longer inspected. Whereas the open dimension is so open that even the, uh, even the ignorance, because there's no self that generates the whole ignorance or fixation locked down, so then there's an open dimension that happens. The 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 astonishing thing about it is the self-centeredness that is arising there. When it looks at that, it feels really confused because uh, it, it prefers the ignorance because that's a temporary security that builds up the ignorance around the imputation of a self, which makes the self feel solid because it's the person who knows about that. It's the person who believes that even happens in Buddhism. So when I say take no position, that's um you might have to spend some time looking at the p positions that you continue to take, not just you, but anyone. More about ignorance. There's a, that's talked about several different ways and uh, in, in, in down through the centuries and different texts and so on. And it basically is a shutting down, like in the first, uh, the 12 links in the chain of existence, it is a uh, uh, vidya. So vidya is knowledge, as you know, and ah is the negative part of uh, vidya. So but what is, what is, what is that? What is that ignoring that's, what is the fundamental uh, ignoring that is happening there. And the way Trunk Rinpoche would talk about it, it's just first there's open space, which is, of course, a relative statement. And then there's kind of a, a closing off or something that happens to the open space. And when that happens, uh, formations or samskaras begin to emerge. And then it goes on up through the rest of the, uh, the eight uh, links. But looking at, I would say, contemplating that yourself would be continue to look at that and see if there are other ways you're, you're saying, uh, actually passion and aggression, or I'm saying the passion, aggression, and ignorance are all just ignorance, but there's some kind of action that comes out of that. That's the, that's the samskara. So the ignorance isn't doing anything. It's just, it doesn't make that sound, but it goes, and then samskaras or passion or aggression, start springing out of that uh, into the, come from the first uh, link in the chain of existence or in Adana into the second one. You know, it's just a real literal way of talking about it. 
probably if we had some way of looking at that, how, how that particular, use that word, algorithm uh, shows up, there might be some steps in there that, that don't have enough um, density to them to even trace them with our conceptual mind to really deeply go into it. That's why it's so powerful to read someone like, like your, uh, uh, the study, several people are studying the 30 verses, uh, th th that kind of incredible ability to see what this is and move that into a conceptual dynamic and make it and not without suffocating it with too heavy of a concept. So it's astonishing. You have a question? Uh, from Susan Olcott. Susan Olcott. She asks, are chronic rebels, as in the Marine Corps or any social structure, simply deluded? Hmm. Simply deluded? Well, I, I don't think there is anyone, there's anyone that isn't deluded. I'm deluded. I couldn't teach this if I, if I were clear. The people who, are, who claim to be clear are the ones who are maybe a little bit more deluded. So the claims of clarity, the claims of delusion, make no claims. There's no claims. There's nothing to claim. If you see what this is, uh, it is called uh, empty. It is called chunyata. It's also called, if in its in its appearance, it's called suchness. But in its understanding intellectually, it is, it is, it is chunyata, or empty of anything else. It doesn't mean something isn't there. It just means that what you're looking at is looking back at you, even if it's a tree stump. It's watching you. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but it really is. Eric Wilson has a question. Eric Wilson. He asks, is sincerity sophisticated confusion? No. Jeez, I'm bowing. Yes, sir. Interview questions for software developers are often like you're given a problem and you're supposed to identify what algorithm to apply and then solve it using that. Is relating to a situation anything like looking for the algorithm that fits and applying it? Are algorithms fundamentally a misunderstanding? No, not at all. Not at all. Thank you for that question. No, it's very situational. So everyone's doing algorithms of a sort. They might not being, uh, be, do, be doing the kind that have as tight a bundle of operations or, or uh, um, synchronicity as what you're working with and the kind of work that you do. But there, there's some kind, some of, them are, some of them are more, I don't know, I, I would say it is more spongy. There are more, more, there's more movement in there. The downside is there's so much movement that you're not sure if you're, on a path or if you're just cutting a uh, walking through between the trees. So that, that kind of situation is more exploratory and the sitting practice of meditation is to sit down and drop algorithms. And then when you get back up, use them, be who you are, be genuine, be, if anger rises, just, just observe. If depression arises, just observe. Everything is a Dharma gate. You can do this. If this dumb old man can do it, you can do it. So, no, there's nothing to correct. There's only something to observe over and over and over. Even the horrible murder. If you, if you jump to conclusions about that, you just missed your chance to see what it fundamentally is. You're not separate from the murderer. You're not separate from the one who was murdered. It's heartbreaking to say that. It's heartbreaking to say that. But we, we, can't, we can't just suddenly be somebody else who doesn't do that or be somebody else who doesn't get murdered, be somebody else. You know, everybody's born white, so now we no longer... I mean, you know, it's, it can get ridiculous with people trying to correct things without seeing what the fundamental situation is true. The drops of rain in the sky are all arguing with each other. And as soon as they hit the ocean, problem solved. No more algorithms um, until it goes back into the air again and then turns into rain and comes back down again. Good luck being a person in that. So I'm just using metaphors. I'm extremely visual. So anything I talk about, I see all kinds of pictures. I, I, there isn't anything I don't see. 
and there isn't anything I'm seeing. Both. I don't see anything, and yet I see everything. doesn't make me some kind of a, a guru or something. This means I see it. More about that if you have it. It's a good one. Are algorithms something we can learn? Well, I certainly can't. <laughs> you might be able to. So, so uh, the the tighter the algor algorithm is and, uh, and relies on a ordinary simple logic or ordinary simple analysis and so on, and some kind of a, a really strong memory situation that that does not lose uh, uh, track of abstractions. I think in pictures. I sometimes say I don't think. I actually don't. Uh, I just think everything is everything is visual for me. Um, I used to, since I was so visual when I was young, I was thinking, well, I'm probably going to be an artist. <clears throat> well, I was, but uh, I thought I would be a great artist. I was not. I was not a great artist. I still draw pictures, but I don't have any kind of uh, daydreams about that. So everyone's uh, everyone's working with that all the time. And I, I think some people can be learned or be taught. Sometimes there's a misunderstanding of the forms. When we come in, you'll notice, probably will notice, when we come in and we practice a form, that there's no goal. Most algorithms that are fairly tight do this, bow now, now you sidestep in front of the altar, now you uh, bow, you take one step forward, uh, you, you look at the altar, which I don't know if that's in the instruction, but if you watch me stand in front of an altar, I, I look at everything there as if I've never seen it before, because I haven't. So I look at everything, and not to evaluate it, um, to judge it, but just receive. Be be as much of a receiver as you can. There's a, a, an astonishing world that is full of suffering, and and yet it's uh, it's also full of uh, um, wonderful uh, possibilities to appreciate what this is and what all this is. It's not exactly pleasure. <clears throat> and if you get what I would say, if you've repeated these forms uh, hundreds of times, maybe even thousands of times, you eventually see that you can never do anything twice. But you can't do that if your algorithm is always looking for a goal, always a goal. We need to do this and this and this to get that goal. And if we don't get that goal, then something's wrong back here. And so that's the goal orientation with it. That's the materialism involved in our world that seems to be necessary if you want to walk or if you want to build a bicycle. So if you do that, then you're buying into the structure of the physical situation. The difficulty with that is we tend to get sucked into it, and our whole value system is very materialistic. Well, if it, what good is it? What good is meditation? Well, if somebody asks you that question, uh, it depends on who it is. You could just you could even say it a little bit rudely. I don't think that's any of your business. Make them drag it out of you. You know, you can even say, "Act like you got a big secret." I'm not going to tell you about meditation. You're not ready for this. Way too hard. <laughs> Say, of course, you could talk. You could talk to John Kabat-Zinn. I'm sure he'd be happy to happy to charge you a fee and teach you how to meditate to feel better. I'm not interested in that. I want you to be miserable. <laughs> Go ahead, Kevin. Are skillful means algorithms? They they sometimes can be can be drawn into really tight tight frameworks or tight structures that are repeatable, I think. But it but it's so situational that it, if you do that too much, then you totally miss the kind of a skillful means that needs to come out of the situation. It won't adapt. Uh, then then someone could you know for computers, then somebody could write a uh, write a program to 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 deal with that and to deal with that. And then, okay, we got it. Now we need another program to deal with that and deal with that. That's why Jews is employed <laughs> because it, nothing lasts. Everything's changing and moving into, and then this comes. And, oh, and now we have a person that wears a pink sweater every day. We need an algorithm to understand that. Why are they doing that? Because everyone else is wearing uh, uh, sheep's clothing. And so it goes on and on and on. But it's 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 called uh, uh, impermanence. Nothing lasts, and and that is so true everywhere. That uh, once you realize that, you, you, your whole trip just falls apart. You might still be a, a meditator. You might still be a, be a, a student of the Buddha's Dharma, 
but you're you're on the way to liberation if there is such a thing as a way in ancient times in china it was called the way and i still like to use that this is the way way to what 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 where are we going none of your business so yes to respond i would say it, it varies and so you, you you're not going to be able to lock down and go into business you know okay got it okay now i'm going to open a, a shop that does just this kind of so spiritual algor algorithms are, this is what the Tibetans were trying to do. So how can we take, we have all these crazy people living up in the mountains, us. And, uh, and then Padmasambhava comes to Tibet from uh, India and says, uh, you know, I can fix that. And, uh, or whatever he said. And uh, in the bone, uh, bone uh, religion there with the indigenous uh, shamanistic religion, then they combined with that and uh, Indian Tantra. Although uh, Trungpa Rinpoche, when he was asked about Indian Tantra, he said, no, 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 that's totally different. Buddhist Tantra separate and you know he was just trying to protect um his teaching because he didn't he knew that if he and i don't read his mind but i could see where if he'd opened up to indian tantra then he's got a labyrinth of things that go way way back and it's difficult enough to do just what he was doing so more questions about that or anything else for that matter kevin is that anything else about that i'm just thinking about how when we have habitual ways of dealing with or trying to control people, we might have personal algorithms to do that. Yeah. And then wondering how that approach might shift with the increase in awareness. Like it seems it's another way of talking about it. You know, you say don't don't hook it up to your vocal cords. So if yeah. the algorithm continues to arise you just not hook it up to the motherboard or whatever computers yeah. do i would say observe it you know to use time observe it as long as you can if you don't have to uh, I, my simple way of saying it, don't do anything unless you have to and of course eventually if a person practices enough this kind of question <coughs> starts to show up <coughs> <coughs> and so when that question shows up you know you don't have to you don't have to entertain uh, every every guest. You know, at the same time, uh, allow them to come in, allow them to sit, allow the algorithm or the structure or the plan or the idea about something else or the idea about a solution or the skillful means, however you want to look at it. Now, the skillful means is taught because I think people maybe need to reflect on that a little bit, but I don't know if it's something you can actually do, even though it's taught relative bodhicitta and so on. It's taught as functions in the whole, uh, uh, all of Tisha's, uh, but you got to remember he's talking to people in ancient Tibet that were, you know, a little bit different uh, sophistication. And so he's talking about, uh, which I think I'm going to be talking here about uh, um, some kind of afflictions or something here. The 27th. Uh, yeah. Work obstacle with, for yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that one. I especially like it because uh, Rinpoche has about, you know, half a paragraph what to do with that because it's uh um even though it's uh, uh in that book that's one of his shortest commentaries so uh, i can't even use that to help me <laughs> i just <laughs> i just have to think it up by myself anything else uh no thank you bowing thank you susan has a question susan actually two um go ahead is visualizing as you do an algorithm and then can that get stylized or a form of grasping? I think it could. I think anything is possible. Um, and it's, I think it becomes algorithmic if I understand that and maybe even someone who works with this all the time, a Juzan might have a tighter definition of that, but it seems to be just a plan or a recipe or a, or a, a thing that you want this, you have a problem and you need to do something. So uh, I don't really think of anything in terms of problems. Uh, I have when I was working as a, a painter, or as an artist, uh, then then there would be how to take what I've just done, spent the last 20 minutes doing and work with that to change the color, shape, texture, form, uh, everything in such a way that I can get more equilibrium, more balance. So it's a really difficult uh, practice to do that and at that time it was it was ex extremely different 
difficult because everything was self-referential. I'm not a good artist because I can't do this. So um, and don't have a, a natural ability to balance, but have, have a natural ability to see. And I see, I see, I don't know how else to say it. I just see it. And so to go back to uh, Susan's question, <clears throat> my, my experience with that in doing, uh, doing um, tantric practices where there's lots of really difficult involved uh, visualizations found that I was able to visualize uh, pretty well. And, but that whole structure, I think, uh, I think for some people that might be a really good way to work with the mind um, to help clarify, to help uh, focus on the aspect of the mind that actually creates and the aspect, aspect of the mind that actually dissolves and realize that what creates and what dissolves are not two different things, yet they are separated and create uh, more confusion. So uh, I think instead of teaching everybody uh, Chen Rezig or everybody uh, learns uh, uh, white Tara, green Tara, uh, or any of the other tantric practices, which there are hundreds, uh, I think that each person is individual. Most of the people, my understanding, just mine, I, I don't know, but I would say <clears throat> most people just need to watch what moves. Your whole life is enough creation. There's enough creation going on all day long. Sit down, hold still, dissolve. Simply put, uh, and, and uh, uh, Tibetan lamas are, would disagree with me, and, and I would let them, and I would say, well, I'm probably wrong, or, or I'm, you know, listen to what they say. So I wouldn't disagree because uh, there is no right and wrong. It's all situational. As long as you're in this human form, as long as you're in the form of a snake, as long as you're in the form of any kind of form, it's situational. Uh, this is why when you hear the teachings about the form, realm of form, the formless realm, and the realm of desire, I don't use those to teach because they're way too abstract and you need to use what? Algorithms. To just, and if you need to use algorithm, that's not really the formless realm, is it? Yeah. Uh, you can't, you can't go into the formless realm. You are the formless realm. Insofar as you are anything. Further question? Or should we stop? Or should we, do we have more questions? If there's questions, I can keep going. Michael Powell. Yes. Is the middle way a path without form or location? <clears throat> well, the middle way, as, as it was taught, is uh, not too tight, not too loose. Don't, you know, uh, um, freedom from extremes is a traditional way. You're free from extremes, so you don't have to have a position on anything. And if, you, if you're able to, if your particular karma, your particular body-mind complex as a human being, as a self, as an identity, as an identity that we're getting to, beginning to see through that it's not real, still there. You still like this and don't like that, so you still have that. But there's no solid being experiencing that. Then the the, the possibility of of actually being free free from extremes is you realize that everything is relatively arisen. There are, there is no there is no uh, relative truth that has kind of an ultimate nature where I can get to the really really good ultimate or a really really good relative truth that's almost reality. No, that's probably not going to happen. So the middle way is a way of practicing. In other words, not too tight, not too loose. Uh, meditate. Uh, but the way I would say is don't, don't make yourself miserable. Um, if somebody comes in and sits at the monastery, the form is sit there six and a half hours a day. I don't know that. But the form is there. So if you in your karma, in your life, in, you know, need to sit, there's a form that will help you do that. All you have to do is say, if you live at the monastery, you know, I need to sit more. Uh, you can even... Sitting, sitting practice of meditation, sitting down facing a wall, trumps everything. Sorry to use that word, but it, it, it overrides everything. The, the sitting still, because that's so difficult to do. So therefore, if you're in the monastery and it's uh, and you just go and tell the Eno, uh, as long as there's communication, tell the Eno, I need to sit longer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I won't be there for. You don't have to ask permission. Just tell them. If it's something really unusual, then you should at least include me, not that you even have to ask permission of me, because if you include me and then say, I'm going to, I've decided I'm going to sit on the roof because I want to be in touch with the actual Dharmakaya. You know, I'm going to see that you get 
equipped. No, I wouldn't do that. But I would, I would think that's odd that you're doing something so bizarre. Someone that's trying to has a special kind of practice where they have to do things a certain way. This is why sangha is so important. Don't don't eliminate the three. If you eliminate the any of the three jewels, you just you you modified your connection to the other two in such a way that that they can't those that particular algorithm can't help you because that algorithm is so non-specific that and yet so archetypal teacher teaching community or learners uh, all the parivrajikas that have been wanting to into this kind of a mandala where somebody is teaching but there's no demand on anything and yet there's no the forms are meant to to support you in being a, a genuine human being a, a consciousness that has been downloaded into this uh, realm of desire I think we could go ahead and dedicate the merit from the monastery okay this and directions, the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokopoji Buddhist Temple Monastery. Our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. 